The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. It's the story of a family who's desperate for change. Right now they're fighting to bring their adopted child home, challenging a Canadian ban on adoptions from Pakistan while also struggling against this child's recent cancer diagnosis. It, it seems the odds are stacked against them. It's it's a terrible situation to imagine that that a family just simply cannot be together. Here to tell us more about the story, Brian Hill, an investigative journalist with Global News. Hi, Brian. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks. How about you? We're well. Thank you for asking. Can, can you first tell us how you how you learned of the story of this family? Sure. And just off the top, just one thing to, to correct. It's actually the, the husband in this case. So the father who's had a recent cancer diagnosis, oh, no. not the child. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. still very sad. Oh, my gosh. Also, also awful and, and really hard for the family. But um, well, take us yeah, take us into I, I it, Brian. About, I came about this. Sure, I came about this case uh, because uh, a, a lawyer who I'm quite close with is is obviously very concerned with this. This is an immigration lawyer that uh, works uh, a lot with refugees in Toronto, and uh, we've worked uh, together on past stories. This case is really uh, quite touching, and uh, this family that's been battling infertility for a decade and uh, really trying to do everything they can to to have a family uh, felt like this was an opportunity they adopted this young girl in Pakistan but now they're battling against the Canadian government trying to bring her home Brian how did this all start in the sense of, of Canada and and Pakistan's we'll call it an unfortunate relationship when it comes to adopting children yeah, so this is one of the interesting things we've actually discovered. Um, so the ban was put in place in 2013. At the time, the government, uh, the, the, the conservative government, said that this was because the, the policies in Pakistan weren't in line with those in Canada when it comes to adoption. So basically saying the way they formalize adoption because Pakistan doesn't fully sever the relationship with a birth parent in the case of adoptions, that didn't line up with our understanding of adoption. And they had to put a halt to these adoptions as a result of that. But what we've uncovered is that, in fact, this process may have started even earlier. And a government source in the course of this investigation shared a 2011 letter with us uh, that came from Pakistan that actually warned of children being smuggled out of the country under the guise of adoption uh, and, and asked Canada to put a halt to the illegal removal of children while at the same time working to formalize an agreement between the two countries so that this can be done properly. So on that note, how come, it, how come it's taking so long to finally come up with an agreement? I mean, if you're saying that there was a letter potentially sent in 2011, we're looking at eight years here. Uh, exactly. And, th- and that's a really remarkable question. So, you know, from the first point, people didn't understand, well, why all of a sudden, like the policies in Pakistan haven't changed in decades. Okay, well, now maybe we have an idea of why, but why so long? And I think really, uh, you know, we're hearing that there was perhaps more that could have been done at the time the ban was put in place to normalize or regularize these relationships. Uh, so, you know, that's a question that's still kind of unanswered in terms of why the previous government uh, couldn't reconcile the differences between the two laws and then why the current government <clears throat> waited years half years before even reaching out to Pakistan about this issue. Uh, it's it's sort of 
this whole thing has left families like the family in the lurch for for the better part of a decade. Brian, I'm sorry. There, there seems to be a weird connection on your end. It's kind of making you sound a little bit like a robot here and there. Are you able to adjust your, your uh, tie line a little bit? I can try. Okay, perfect. While you're doing that, I'll, I'll ask my follow-up question. So it, it seems to me that both countries are just arguing about what being an adoptive parent means. Is, is that essentially what it comes down to? They just have different definitions of, of what it is to be a parent? Essentially, uh, and to tell me if this is any better, but uh, essentially that's what, what we're looking at here. So you've got two countries that say we understand what adoption is and those understandings are different. Uh, Pakistan has this tradition called kafala where, you know, it follows the Islamic tradition, which has been in place for hundreds and hundreds of years, and they respect the uh, rights of birth parents while also understanding that sometimes children need to be placed in care of other guardians. Uh, Canada says that when adoptions go forward, there really needs to be a complete severing of that relationship with the birth parent in order for an adoption to be legal. Brian, we're just going to have to put you on hold for a minute. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, there seems to be some sort of connection issue. We'll let you chat with Dustin on the other side of the glass, and uh, we'll get back to you in about two minutes. All right, back with Brian Hill, an investigative journalist with Global News. Let's test this out, Brian. I think we're going to be better this time. Oh, you sound fabulous. I mean, you sounded fabulous before, but you had some weird like robot noises coming in there too. So <laughs> this is perfection. Now, we're, we're talking about, about the issue of, of adoption. A family in Canada is, is not able to, to bring their little one home because of a ban in Pakistan on it. Canada's banned pa- Pakistan adoption. So my question to you now is, is this incident opening up a broader discussion on adoption laws in general? I think it does, at least with respect to, to Islamic or Muslim countries. So uh, the government has said in the past that the same logic or the same rationale that's being used to uh, stop or prevent adoptions from Pakistan can also and has also been used to stop adoptions from other Islamic countries, such as uh, Afghanistan, for example, or Iraq. Uh, and, and essentially it boils down to different understandings of the meaning of the word adoption and, you know, how we formalize that. How long now has uh, Tosif and Amira been, been battling with this? And, you know, do they, do they still have hope at this point? Are they, are they still eventually one day hoping to, to get this child home with them? I mean, they're hopeful that uh, that this will have a positive outcome, that they will be able to bring Ayat home. But I think it's, it's been a really hard struggle for them. Uh, 18 months now, uh, they've been separated. Uh, for a lot of that time, Tosif was able to travel to Pakistan, and now now uh, the, the uh, Amira and Ayat are in, in the UAE, actually, and they, they were able to visit. But since his recent cancer diagnosis, that's been impossible and so that's made this much much harder because the you know he was diagnosed with non-hodgkin lymphoma in, in april uh and has had multiple rounds of chemo since and and during that whole process he's been unable to see his wife or his daughter and i think that's been really really tough on the family and just jumping off your point brian with with the cancer diagnosis can you take us into how, if you're able to, how, how is the family staying hopeful, optimistic, balancing all of these, ver- I mean, uh, either of these issues would be a lot for any family to take on 
individually, and now it's it's two things that are kind of incredibly uh-huh. difficult. Uh, it's actually three uh, because uh, Tosif's mother, who is quite close to, died actually as well in May, so just a month after his cancer diagnosis, and that, that was very hard for him as well. Um, you know, and these things are all unrelated, but at the same time, they're all affecting this one family. Uh, and I think that whole process has been really, really tough. Uh, they've they've informed Immigration Canada of these events. They've, you know, they've applied for humanitarian and compassionate uh, acceptance to this ban, saying, you know, that it's in, in IAD's best interest to come to Canada and, and, and inform the government of, of the particular health issues in this case, too. So, um, I think they're just hoping that the government will will look at the facts of their case and the particular circumstances that they're in and say, you know, we want to help this Canadian family and, and reunite them uh, here in Canada. Brian, the family is obviously hopeful that the government looks at this file and, and gets involved. Have they had any sort of communication with the family on this issue whatsoever? Mm-hmm. The family had been going through their 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 local MP um, and, and going back and forth with the ministers. Uh, that that uh, that MP was going back and forth with the minister of immigration's office. Uh, that, unfortunately, according to Tosif, that's yielded no results. Um, you know, they've been applying to Immigration Canada. That that those applications have been denied twice. The first time there was a mistake. The second time they said that. Uh, IAT's best interests didn't outweigh the fact that Pakistan's laws weren't the same as ours. Um, and, you know, and, and so I, I think they're just hopeful that the immigration minister himself and perhaps uh, officials from Immigration Canada in the course of their appeal will look at this more closely. And have we heard if, if, if that's in process? Do we know if the immigration minister is, is aware directly of this particular case? Mm-hmm. Well, th- yeah, they're certainly aware of this particular case um, and, uh, you know, what action they might take. Uh, I can't say that there is precedent uh, where the, the minister has intervened in certain cases, depending on the facts. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the other process, the legal, more formal process is also underway, too. So the, the family's lawyer, Adrian Smith, has been uh, fighting that legal battle in court as well and and uh, they're hopeful that that might lead to a solution. Well, I think we all hope it leads to a solution because this is an absolutely heartbreaking story to hear and and I imagine a, a tough one to report on as well. It's it's tough not to to feel for for this family. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's the day that I sat down with Tosif at his home here in Ottawa, um, he was just four days out from his most recent uh, chemo treatment and he's very ill Um, and uh, you know he answered the door with a mask on and with uh, gloves because his immune system is so down Um, you know and again like I say that's sort of separate from the issue that they're struggling with in terms of the adoption process but uh, it's just one more thing that this family uh, who's been fighting to be a family for more than a decade like I said you know, experiencing miscarriages and other sorts of struggles through the infertility treatments is just one more thing. So, you know, it's it's uh, always hard to report on stories like that because you see the impact on um, on their lives. 
Brian Hill, investigative journalist with Global News, bringing us a very impactful story. Thanks for sticking around through the break and for uh, restarting our connection as well, Brian. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Bye.